0: God's voice is all around us, all the time, every day. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemberg. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. Thank you for joining us as we go through the Bible. That's from Genesis to Revelation. Today we're in Psalm 29. This is a fascinating psalm. We're going to teach on it in about five minutes' time, so get ready for that. In the meantime, Corey and Ryan are here. Corey,
1: Well, today I'm taking a look at the gates of an ancient city. Ryan?
2: Well, you know, many times the psalmist extols God as the creator of the heavens, earth, and all therein. So, over the next few days, I'm going to turn my attention to some of his amazing creations.
0: All right, that is very interesting. And we look forward to their segments coming up in about 20 minutes time. In about 25 minutes, Janice.
3: The Lord omnipotent reigns.
0: All right, so take your Bible guide out, turn to today's passage. It's a good one. And let's listen to the Lord and hear what he's saying as we read his word
3: today. Psalm 29. Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forests bare. And in his temple, everyone says, Glory! The Lord sat enthroned at the flood, and the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Psalm 29.
0: Psalm 29, 30, 31, and 32 is what we read today as we go through the Bible. Now, this is absolutely stunning. The voice of God. You know, the voice of God is anything that we've ever heard. It's unlike anything we've ever heard. The voice of the Lord changes things around it. It creates a thing from nothing, causes things to move. It heals things that are wrong and commands everything to shift into the right way to follow God. God's voice is the healing voice, but it's also a commanding and a confronting voice. God speaks in many ways, whether it is through the wonders of the creation or an unprovoked loyalty to our conscience. His voice can be heard and seen. There will come a plane and a place in our time, When we will have to respond in some way to the voice of the Lord. Romans chapter 1, 19 and 20, it says this. It says, because what we are, what may be known of God is manifest or made known in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Close quote. The Lord has made himself known to everyone everywhere, and each of us are without excuse. That's absolutely true. Today, as we begin to open up the Bible, we look at Psalm 29, and this is absolutely stunning. I want to remind you that the Bible guide covers Psalm 29, and I want to encourage you to take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage. And as you do, we will open our hearts and open our minds to the reading of God's word. Now, the voice of God from Psalm 29 is what we're going to talk about. Have you heard the voice of God? I mean, many times I thought that I heard the voice of God, only to learn that that was my feelings, not my voice or not the voice of God. So how do you tell the difference? Well, we begin by understanding a reference point, and that's the Bible. Father, help us today as we learn the reference point of your voice. Help us to hear you today. Help us to know that you will instruct us if we listen carefully to you. We're going to read Psalm 29, and I I pray, Lord, that, that our hearts would be changed, they would be enlightened. And they would be motivated to listen to your voice, not all of these other voices in social media, all of these other voices on the internet, all of these voices on television, on radio, but help us to hear your voice, Lord, that your precious Holy Spirit will give us in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen and amen. Now listen carefully. This is important. Let's go straight to the scripture and hear what God says. Psalm 29 verses one through seven. The Bible says, give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Praise his name, in other words. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. What? In the beauty of holiness? Yeah, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf. Lebanon and Siroin, like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. There is nothing like the voice of the Lord. The voice of God is speaking all around us every day. God is not trying to hide from us. He has provided salvation for us. And let me be absolutely clear about that. Salvation is in Yeshua HaMashiach. That is Jesus the Christ. He is God. He is the Lord. He was crucified by us. We crucified him for that. And three days later, after being dead, death could not keep him. He rose from the dead, fully God and fully man. He is the Lord. And he said, I've come and I'll give you the answer. All you have to do is come to me and ask forgiveness of your sins. And I will come into your life and be the Lord of your life. You can be repaired by God. All of us can be. Very interesting. 29 verses 8 through 9 say this. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deeper or the deer rather give birth and strips the forest bare at his temple. In his temple, everyone says glory. You know, there's only one way to respond. God's voice changes things. We may not hear it, but it is as evident as the rising sun. When you get up in the morning and take a look at the sun coming up and you see the sun rising up. That's the voice of God. God has put creation in place so that we can see what he's done. Now, many people come up with excuses. Well, it's mother nature or it's science. No, 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 no. Somebody made the world. Somebody made you. Who is that? That's God. And the construction of who we are has been interrupted and deviated by sin. S-I-N. And sin has done horrible things, but we can be repaired through Jesus Christ. The voice of the Lord tells us that. We need to remember that, beloved. We need to understand that. Very important. Well, let's go on to the last reading here because it's verses 10 and 11. Psalm 29. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood. He was enthroned. And the Lord sits as king forever. He is the king of the world and everything in it. We don't vote on God. The Lord will give strength to his people, and the Lord will bless his people. He'll bless his people with peace, peace. The people of God are connected to his Holy Spirit, and they are protected. Beloved, we must not fear. We should abide in his love. It's so simple to understand this. When you come to know the Lord, everything changes because you don't have to solve your own problems. I remember somebody saying to me once, well, I'm not ready for God. I have to do this. I said, well, you you don't have to do anything. You come just as you are. And God, His precious Holy Spirit, if you submit your life to Him, ask Him forgiveness of your sins, He will come in and He will change you. Are you ready to be changed? Are you ready to, to, to have the things around you change? Then God will do it. Now, the change is not always easy. In fact, in some cases, the change is very difficult. Yet God makes us stronger as people. And let me just say, beloved, very candidly, that a lot of the, the some of the problems we're having in our minds these days and the record numbers of it, you know, this, is, this can be handled by us coming back to the reality of who God is and giving our life to him and admitting to him that we struggle and we need his help. We need his stability in our lives. The stability of a divine mind inside of us keeps us straight, beloved. And So Father, we pray today and I pray for everyone who's listening to me right now, that the stability would come into their life and that they would understand that all they need to do is submit to you. And when they do that, things begin to change. Help them, Lord, and help us today in Jesus' name. But a lie is when somebody tells you, I know how you'll be happy, you buy this hairspray and you're gonna be happy. You smell like this flower, you're gonna be happy. You take this drug, you're gonna be happy. You buy this car, you're gonna be happy. See, it all tells me I'm gonna be happy. No, I'm not. That's not how this works. The truth is that I am not happy until I find the purpose of why I exist. My purpose for living.
2: Welcome back to the program. My segment today is inspired from Psalm 29. And let me just read you the first three verses. It says, Ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. You know, one of the themes in this psalm is the mighty waters. And so today I want to ascribe worship to the Lord for some of the mightiest underwater creatures which he made. And we're going to do it over the next three days. So today we're going to begin by looking at some of the most massive marine reptiles. So let's go. When most think of the biggest and baddest predator that ever lived, images of the mighty Tyrannosaurus rex no doubt come to mind. However, this title may belong to another creature entirely, a creature of the sea. Discovered in the 1920s in Queensland, Australia, Cronosaurus, a marine reptile that is now almost certainly extinct, has been called the Terror of the Seas. A most fitting title since this particular pleosaur could grow to lengths of more than 30 feet and weigh between 8 and 10 tons. Chronosaurus also had a huge skull with powerful jaws that combined the biting power of killer whales and crocodiles. Its back teeth were designed to crush even the toughest of shells. Yet there is another marine reptile which could also be considered the biggest and baddest predator that ever lived. Originally discovered in Europe in 1873, Leopleurodon, like Chronosaurus, was also a Pliosaur. While there are debates over just how massive Leoplerodon was, fairly complete skeletons of the creature indicate that it was approximately 30 to 40 feet long, with a weight of up to 10 tons. However, there are tantalizing hints from scraps of bone that suggest that Leoplerodon could have been much, much larger. However, as Dr. Carl Whelan points out, even at the most modest conservative estimates, Leoplerodon was a powerful colossus of a carnivore. Its enormous 10-foot mouth was packed with very sharp teeth, which were twice as long as those of T-Rex. It would have been capable of making a meal out of some of the larger sharks. Other marine reptiles, such as Mosasaurus, Shonosaurus, and Styxosaurus, though probably not as fast and terrible, were similar in size or even larger than Chronosaurus and Leoplerodon. In fact, Mosasaurus has been called the marine equivalent to Tyrannosaurus Rex, only much bigger. Based on their bones, some of them appear to have been up to 50 feet in length. If this is accurate, then this would make Mosasaurus the largest predatory carnivore the world has ever known. Shonosaurus, a type of ichthyosaur, was also massive, reaching lengths of 50 feet or more and weights of up to 40 tons. Its skull alone was about 10 feet long. Styxosaurus, a name meaning Hell River Reptile, was a type of elasmosaur and could reach lengths of up to 40 feet and weigh up to 10 tons. A most interesting feature of this marine reptile is its long neck. Indeed, its neck comprised about half of its entire body length. Mm -hmm. Interesting to note is that all of these creatures were reptiles and not fish, which meant that they would have had to regularly come to the surface for air. It is notable then that there have been several reports and stories from sailors who have observed long and sinewy sea serpents. Perhaps then some of these creatures are still with us today. The size and scale of these creatures really is incredible. It actually seems like science fiction, but it's real. Suddenly, some of the stories we've heard about large sea monsters don't sound so crazy after all. Hoaxes aside, we know from the fossils that these animals did in fact exist. Maybe some even still do today. This wouldn't be the first time that an animal thought to be long dead shows up alive. Our God, the God of the Bible, is truly awesome and more than worthy of our worship and praise. Tomorrow we'll look at even more of these amazing monsters of the deep.
0: One of the things that's absolutely
2: amazing
0: to me is the creatures that we discover underneath the waters because we don't it's not like we don't see it every day and they have discovered some amazing things as your pieces talk about Mm -hmm. in the depths of the water
2: that's right they're still discovering creatures from time to time uh because they're getting the ability to go deeper and deeper and uh it's just amazing i mean some of these
0: animals down there they glow in the dark and they're they're, their blood glows it's It's awesome yeah And, you know, and it's incredible. And uh, so it's amazing. Now, the question is, what was it like at the beginning before sin crept into the world? And you look at the creativity of that, and it's absolutely stunning. Mm. Very good, Ryan. Good piece. Corey?
1: All right, well, today I want to take a look at ancient gates. And we've talked about ancient gates before gates of the city, Uh, but I want to take a look at them again today because we're in the book of Psalms and so many of these Psalms would have been performed in Jerusalem, not just in the Temple and on the Temple Mount, but at the gates of the Temple Mount. It had a whole uh, walled structure as well, and also at the gates of Jerusalem. Uh, So let's take a look at gates and their functions to make sense of why this would have happened. City gates in the biblical world had many functions. And if you look closely, all of the functions known from history are demonstrated in the Bible. First, we need to understand the layout of city gates. They weren't just oversized doorways. A lot of planning went into their construction, as their most obvious function was defense. They were a natural weak point in the city wall that had to be fortified. Double gates were often employed to solve this problem. There would be an outer gate, a courtyard, and then an inner gate. This double gate system created a public space, its courtyard, that was home to all sorts of interactions. The Bible tells us that the elders of a city sat in the gate, presumably the courtyard. Here the elders were responsible for facilitating and witnessing business transactions, like Boaz becoming Ruth's kinsman redeemer in Ruth chapter 4. And the elders were responsible for delivering legal judgment. In Deuteronomy, we learn how people accused of crimes would be brought before the elders at the gates, and that if the death penalty was given, it was done right there this is no doubt one of the reasons that Deuteronomy also admonishes the Israelites to write the laws of God on their gates, keeping those elders on target. Public messages could also be delivered at the gate, and 2 Kings 7 tells us that flour and barley were either sold here or their prices were determined here. Interestingly, archaeology has revealed large public buildings close to city gate complexes. These are sometimes interpreted as stables, but may actually be public storerooms where goods could be purchased. Once Israel appointed a king over themselves, he, too, had a special spot at the city gate— King David has an interesting history with city gates. What may have been his most humiliating moment happened at one. He faked a severe mental breakdown to escape a powerful enemy. He survived though, which leads to another unfortunate event later in his life. His son Absalom had launched rebellion against him, initiated by stopping people on their way to Jerusalem's gate to receive David's judgment. David reluctantly launched a counter-attack after full war was declared. The Bible is really specific in detail here. David stands by the gate while his entire military walks out to battle, then sits in his seat in the gate waiting. When he receives the news of Absalom's death, he's overcome and leaves the gate to cry, which is a bad sign for the people. Apparently, the king's authority in the gate after war was essential. So David comes back and resumes his place of authority. Excavations at the northern city of Tel Dan revealed a gate complex dating to the 9th century BC. There was a built-in bench, perhaps where elders would sit. But most intriguingly of all, there was a raised platform with decorative stone sockets, likely used to hold the poles of a canopy. A seat fit for a king. So there we go, something that at least in modern North America, we do not have in our culture. We do not have city gates like they did in the ancient world, but it is very helpful for us to understand their use, not only defensively, but also uh, socially, sorry, because uh, that helps us Place into context a lot of the scripture and even some of these psalms.
0: What's important is to remember that when when uh, Boaz you know goes to make his deal mm-hmm. for redeeming Ruth and all that he meets at the city gates. Yeah, and all of these people meet at the city gates. When the king David goes after they come back mm-hmm. from war, he's sitting at the gate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's amazing the the sociological implications of the gates. Thank you, Corey. That's very good. And may I say. Very important today. That uh, happy birthday!
1: Oh, thank you! <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> so it is
0: Corey's birthday, and uh, I'll tell you what—it's uh, you're in your thirties, and I am.
1: I—I uh, don't. I'm turning thirty-seven today. I'm not. I'm not afraid of numbers. Oh, I'm good. Good. I'm no, good. All right, numbers. we've made peace. All right. Very good. Very our good. Our lives became a little sweeter.
2: They did.
3: that day. <laughs> they Made certainly did. Ryan. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, my segment today, I titled it, The Lord Omnipotent Reigns. Omnipotence, big word for almighty, all-powerful, invincible, unstoppable, supreme. This is who our Lord is. And we read this praise to God in His holiness and majesty in Psalm 29. And I want to focus on the last two two verses. I'm going to read them for you. It's 10 and 11. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood and the Lord sits as King forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Now, the writer of Psalm 29, we're, we're talking about David, was referring to the worldwide flood. And as I read through a very special book that Ryan gave to me years ago called Treasures in the Psalms, uh, the, the writer pointed out here that uh, the, the word waters here is a Hebrew word that was associated and used only in reference to the global flood. So that catastrophic event that happened is what the psalmist is referring to here. So the Lord sat, this word sat. Now, in the King James Version, it would be sitteth, But in this New King James, it's sat. So this word used, the Hebrew word used here in verse 10 literally means to sit still. So if we look here, the Lord sat still or sat enthroned at the flood and the Lord sits as king forever. Imagine God didn't even need to Arise up from his throne. God sat calmly as eternal king. His majesty, as the Holmans puts it, his majesty is unruffled. I love that. And his throne is secure against anything that might attempt to come against it. Did you hear that? His majesty is unruffled and his throne is secure against anything that might attempt to to come against it. So if we wrap this all up, These two verses again, let's read them. The Lord sat, he was still enthroned at the flood and the Lord sits as king forever. So that speaks into the future forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Now, as God was king over this devastating cataclysmic event of the worldwide flood, so he is eternal king. And no matter what future attacks, what the future holds, coming upon God's people by man, by evil, even the fiery judgment of the world, God is able to keep his people through the fire as he was through the flood. So may the Lord omnipotent reign and our worship of him. Ryan, as you spoke earlier in your segments about these great sea creatures, God is the creator of all of these things. Mm -hmm. And he knows exactly what that sea holds, what these deep waters hold, what our universe holds. You know, we talk about the planets and we have names that we give to them, but we know that God created them with the very breath of his mouth. And the scriptures tell us that he has names for all of them. In fact, he has the hairs on each one of our head numbered which is hard to keep track of because I don't know about you, but every time I brush my hair, there's a few less in my hairbrush than I had before. But that is our God, our omnipotent Lord who reigns forever.
0: I think we need to uh, consider that, that God is great and God is good because the world is not so great right now. We need to pray. And as we pray, just whatever situation you're in right now, whatever trouble you might think is happening, let's give it to God and let's understand that we serve God and God can turn things around for us. And Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, as we pray, we come to your divine mind and we pray, Lord, that you would help us to be able to navigate through a lot of these things that are taking place and help us financially, but help us also, Lord, you you said you would take care of our needs, you promised, And so, Lord, we promise to continue tithing to you and continue giving to you. But Lord, we also promise to trust you because trusting you is the most important thing. I want to let you know about Roku channel. Uh, if you have a Roku box, go and search for BD family and friends, BD family and friends. We have a 24 seven streaming channel and all of our programs are there. And you can stay in touch with us on the internet on a regular basis on your TV set. Now, Today, let's pray. Lord, we pray today. I need to learn to trust you. Help me to trust you as I give my life to you today and hear your word.